if you're not here today with us in person, you don't know the uphill struggle that I face as I preach today. Because you see, the delicious aromas from the kitchen area are coming through those doors every time they swing. And so every time that somebody comes through that door, I, I get a, a glimpse of it. I can only imagine the torture that you too must be facing today as uh, you smell the delicious food that is being prepared. All right, in the meantime, I promise not to preach more than 45 minutes, but we'll see how everything goes. Let's take a Bible and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read the first 10 verses uh, that are written here for us to see. And I want us to take particular con uh, concern over the things that are written when it comes to the continued grace of God. That's the title of our message today, The Continued Grace of God. Look at verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visit visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether God knoweth. Such a one and I knew whether the seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he saith unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. <coughs> May the Lord bless the reading of his word. As we begin today, I want us to think about uh, a particular writer. Now, again, we sing his song all the time, but he had written many songs, and I speak of John Newton, and the song in question is Amazing Grace. I don't know how many of you all have ever thought about the song where it says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. T'was, you know, t'was grace that brought me close to Christ, if you will, and I forget the rest of the verse, excuse me. But the one verse I want us to focus on is the one that regards life. And the one that he brings in about life is one that says, grace will lead me every day, is the, is the actual undertone of the message. When I think about the words of how John understood grace, it led him all the days of his life. Now understand, 
I, I studied John Newton when I was a, a young boy, and uh, you know, as I studied more of his life, the more I began to really respect him. He was a slave trader. And in fact, what's interesting is, if you ever look at his, his stone, his, uh, his burial stone that's at the head of him, it says of him that he was once a libertine. And when you think about that word libertine, means he gave in to every product of sin that anyone could imagine. He was a slave trader. He literally brought shackles upon the uh, those that had uh, from Africa, and he would transport them across the Atlantic Ocean to the American shores. And even after the Lord saved him, he made one or two more journeys to where he also, being the captain of a ship, would bring the slaves in. Now, here's the thing I want you to get. Most of us, when we have an understanding of our sins, we quit. I think it is interesting that I don't have the right in my own life to allow me in such a way that I quit what I'm doing. And I have committed a lot of sins. That's not just a, a statement of fact. It is, it's also a true confession. And if we would all sit down and humble ourselves in the sight of God, we could probably come up with a terrible list of sins that we have in our own lives. Things that we have said, things that we have seen, things that we have, have learned from others or we have practiced with others. Pride, we can go in, the lust of life, the eye, the lust of life, the pride of life, the message today. And yet, with all where grace is always needed. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Your pastor is a perfect sinner. I'm a perfect sinner. And because I understand the sins that are in my life, I need to shun those things that keep me from serving the Lord the way that I should and focus upon Him and Him alone. So today, as we go in, I want us to think about three elements that we must do if we were to understand the continued grace of God. The never-changing plan, carrying forth of the message, and understanding such grace that we have. Let us pray. Again, Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand before the congregation today. And I pray, Father, that you will just help me to understand the things that you give us. I know, Lord, that sometimes your message speaks to me. Sometimes, Lord, that I, as I take the consideration of things you've given, and in fact, the things that I read today, they, they spoke deeply to my heart. And Lord, while I would probably want to continue on with what we studied in the first hour of today, I need to remember that there is a message that you've also laid up upon my heart about your grace. I learn every day more and more of your grace, your immutability, your strength, your purposes. And Lord, I want to ask your forgiveness for those things that I have allowed in my own life that have hindered me, that still hinder me, Lord, that prevent me from being the man of God that I should. But I understand because of your marvelous grace, I can preach the truth and know the truth that you give to me. Help me then, Father, to understand the things that the Apostle Paul has written. But also, Lord, help me to understand that these things that are in your book are for my benefit. And bless and keep us now, Lord. Help us to understand the things that you have for us and guide and keep and direct now. In Christ we pray. Amen.
as we begin this message today, I'm going to go back to the thought of where we started last week about the immutability of Christ. Now, I pointed this out to you all earlier today, those that were able to come in and be a part of the services today, that God does not change his thoughts, his plans, or anything else regarding his people or anyone else upon the earth. I know, and, and I was just sitting here as we were singing today, and the one verse that just kept coming in my mind was what we read over Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, where it says, And the Lord from the four corners of the earth. It doesn't say he shall, though he will. It does not say that he will just harvest certain people though he will, he will necessarily harvest. But from all the dust of the ground, God Abram, such as Moses, such as Adam, such as Thomas, such as John, such as Mark, and others. Those that have gone before Now, I bring this up to us because the immutability of God And let's go to Acts, and let's go to chapter 14. <coughs> Acts chapter 14. Now in Acts chapter 14, we find that there is the calling of the... And it says, now there... Simeon, that was called Niger, and and Maiden, which had been brought up with the and so Now, did everybody catch that? Acts chapter 14, verse 1. 
chapter 13, verse 1. So we have Now let me the during that period of time that we're asleep. And we get up in the morning and we break the fast, therefore we call it breakfast. But none of them, we're smelling it right now. Reality is this, is that notice that as they were fasting, it was chapter 15 and notice what happens immediately. So for the period of time they established the churches of Iconum, Lystra, Derby, and others, and then when they finally returned to give the report, there was some sneaky activity that was going on.
for someone to say, That's not in scripture. We have the flesh because here's the thing. You cannot crucify the flesh. What I struggle with is the flesh. I want to feed this flesh. I want to have all the joy of this flesh. And that's the one problem that we have. And so here's the thing. Now here comes Paul and Barnabas and going, why have you allowed this to creep in? world that they will take this Bible and they will twist it. They will twist the message for their benefit. Many years ago, I had two men, I told you the story, it bears repeating, I had two men that I had nothing but the highest respect for. And these two men, they, they wanted to really take a pop shot at me. And they made the statement, they said that, you know, in Acts chapter 8, how that Philip was really witnessing to the, the man or the Ethiopian eunuch. And then when the eunuch said, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? They took a pop shot at me and said, and the Baptist said, you don't need to be baptized. And they started laughing and cackling, and when all their cackling was done, I said, that's exactly what the Word of God says. They said, no. If thou believest, thou mayest. Now, do you realize that if someone is saved, they should be baptized as a witness and as a testimony? But salvation does not come through the baptism of one.
circumcise every man because the entire time they were in the wilderness they did no circumcision how could they possibly be following God if they had not performed the first rite and requirement of following God and that was circumcision you see we're hypocrites and the world is full of hypocrisy. And so for that reason, it is required of the church. You know, I read earlier today in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, you know, and as I read that to the church this morning, one of the things I pointed out is you take a child who has now come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you think they're going to be able to handle the deepest meat that we study? I can imagine right now, Randy and Nancy, as they're teaching a Sunday school class, and they go, oh! Truth be told, most of us were saved in some sort of Armenian congregation. But God saw... we're in today. The element of truth begins, and if you really want to see it active, begin to understand the responsibility of the Great Commission. When Jesus spoke to those eleven, and he said, go ye into the world. Go! He didn't say, now, because of my election, and because I believe in the power of election, and I know who's going to be saved, and everything else. Don't worry. He says, you go into the world and you teach them what my word says. Why do we need to do that? Let me tell you something. Every if you want to see something beautiful, Stevens did a comical song years ago called the Haircut Song, and it's really something funny. And he talked about this one, this one haircut place in southern, you know, probably Mississippi or whatever. And he said, "I was led to the chair, the the chair where I was going to get a haircut, by an usher." And he said, "And when the when the haircut guy came out, he was wearing a robe, and he says." For these haircuts we are about to receive, let us be truly thankful. And I laughed at that, and I thought, and then it occurred to me that's exactly what we do. We might, we meet people at the door, and we're so glad they're here. We're so excited that they're here. But then, what do we want to do? Now, don't you get out of line? I had a lady one time, she said, I'd come to church, but my kids are rowdy. I said, bring those rowdy kids with you. I said, if the Lord's going to save them, he'll save them. And I've never met a child I can't out-scream. 
reality is we have to go into the world and preach the gospel. And then notice immediately, we don't wait and baptize them. At the ago when I lived in England I can't remember if I told you this story or not I'll repeat it if I have I remember that in England they had a requirement that before a child was baptized they had to tell about their salvation message and I remember brother Ken Busby came to me and he said brother Mike he said would you be so kind as to talk to Anne she made a profession of faith many years ago and she's never been baptized want to know why she's not been baptized. And I went to Anne. I said, Anne, do you know Jesus as your Savior? She said, yes, I do. And you know that he is your Lord. Oh, I do, I do. Then Anne, can I ask you a question? Yes. Why haven't you ever been baptized? And her answer surprised me. She said, I'm afraid. I said, why are you afraid, Anne? She said, because you see, I have to tell the people about my salvation message, or, you know, what happened to me. And I said, really? And I started laughing. She said, it's not funny. I said, no, but I'm going to give you an answer. Write it down and just read it. That very next Sunday, <laughs> and went to the pastor and they met off into a private chamber and everybody was there and I'm, I'm telling you there was about 40 or 50 people that listened to her testimony as she read to them what Jesus had done for her and she was baptized wait a minute that's not, that's not the rest of the story the moment she was baptized one by one 13 more young people were, were saved and they said, can we write our testimony and tell what Jesus has done for us? They said, you better believe it. And before we knew it, we had 15 young people who had trusted Christ as their Lord. In Acts chapter 9, let's go back here just for a moment. I want to show you something about the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 9, of course we read about in Acts chapter 8 how this man had also, you know, had gained power and authority. But look what it says. And Saul... Jesus Christ. Whether they were 
Bible speaks of it as, a, as breathing the slaughter. The threat. And I can almost see Paul doing God's work. I'm doing God's work. I'm going to do God's work. they have such joy it, it literally perplexes me when somebody uses curse words to talk about their faith it bothers me but if I can look past the curse words and listen to what they're saying there's a message and it's hard sometimes but I need to hear those things that are being said for my own good as much as anybody's good. And during the one thing that probably perplexed Saul more than anything was the fact is that there was a peace in the face of those that were trusting in the Lord. And immediately as he, was, as he began to press onward, the Lord opened his eyes and his understanding and he began to change in every facet. Let me tell you something. My own son and I talked the other day and, and, and he said, Dad, how can I be a man of God when I can't even take my family to church on a regular basis? That's a good question. I said, you be faithful to God. I said, he'll open the door for you. Believe me, it'll provide And you know the Apostle Paul still followed the Lord in spite of his own wrongdoing. I want to show you something. Most people don't even know it's in Scripture. Acts chapter 21. And let's go down to verse 11. And I want to show you something that most people don't even know is even in the Word of God. Look what it says. In Acts 21, let's go down to verse 11. <coughs> Are you there? And when he was come unto us, he took Paul and bound And when he heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul knew the dangers of the journey that he had to face. Go over to chapter 23. Chapter 23. And once again, go down to verse 11 and notice what it says. And the night following the night Now, you know what's funny? I don't know what my end is going to be like. I am going
This may surprise you, but many years ago we tried to start a mission work up in Jackson, Ohio. And the police would arrest someone for carrying a Bible but let drug lords go free. And we see the same thing here in Huntington. If I was to carry my Bible, by letting him hear the Word of God. No, 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 you can't use that. Used to be that before. Nothing but the truth. Now, that's taken away. I found something that was very of our country. And what do we know? The reality is we need to understand more of the grace of God. Now let's go back to our text. Such grace is needed right now. You know what I love about what Paul writes here? And I want you to get this. Paul was a man of remarkable talent, was he not? He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Or Gamaliel, some of you know, different people pronounce it different ways. And yet, here was this man who was a doctor of doctors when it came to the law of the Jews. And Paul, he spoke many languages. He probably spoke at least five languages. And yet Paul the most intelligent bring the message down so simply that even a child can understand it. He had It all began on the Damascus Road when God struck him down and said, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? We read in the story how And he has seen you coming. You know what's amazing? When his eyes were open, he understood exactly what God was doing. And we don't know what this infirmity is here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But here's something that's beautiful in the message. Paul speaks in the third person of his training with the Lord. I wish I could have this kind of training. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if people say, Man, you got to come hear our pastor. He has sat down. have sat down with the Lord himself and studied every time I open up his word. Isn't that good? And I have the benefit 
of seeing the things that are written in this Word of God. Many people say, how can you be so confident when you're studying the, the, near the uh, eschatology of things to come? How can you be so confident when you t- study church perpetuity? How can you be so confident? Because for me, it's very clear from the Word. I've had people that say, we don't believe in God's election. Let me tell you something. God's election needs to be taught so we understand how special of a grace that we have received. But to someone who's young, who's never doesn't even understand the full facet of their salvation yet, we need to carry them on slowly. But Paul was given this wonderful opportunity except for one thing. And I want you to see this. In verse 8 it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Now here's a man who had the ability to heal others. Now get this. He had the ability to heal others. But God would not allow him to touch his own eyes. Why? I mean, God could have healed his eyes. But instead, the Lord said, Paul, to keep you from bragging, to keep you from having too much pride in yourself and what you've been given, I'm going to give you this infirmity. Here's what amazes me. There's sometimes I'll study the Word of God and I just, man, it is so exciting! want to give them the right fist of fellowship because I'm going God show me something so wonderful and you already know it why didn't you share it to me it doesn't matter because I needed it when I needed it and not until but here's the thing it's beautiful the Lord looks at Paul and in verse 9 he says my grace do you realize every day we are enjoying the grace of God for what he wants for us? I am not only saved by grace, I live And because Do you know that grace? Paul points this out and he goes, His grace and so would be for in weakness I pray that God will give me the strength I'm going to share something with you and I, I use this I don't know if you've ever heard this example before but I'm prone to kidney stones and there's nothing worse in this world than to get a kidney stone well I was scheduled to sing when I was at Wilmington uh, you know Wilmington Ohio and that Sunday morning, I got up, and I had the worst kidney stone that hit me all at once. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Carla? Greg, you know what I'm talking about. And if you've ever had a kidney stone, you'll start singing and shouting and have nothing to do with the Lord. Anyway, the reality is, is that I had that kidney stone. And I got to the hospital, and I said, um, I'm having a kidney stone. They said, our beds are full. But we have one bed that we're going to put you in. It was the birthing room. And they put me in the birthing room. (laughs) You know where this is going. And they closed the door and they forgot about me. 
I'm serious. And I rolled over and I said, Lord, there's never been a suffering as great as what you suffered for me. And I pray, Lord, that if it be thy will, may I never deny you though the suffering gets great. And about that moment, the kidney, pet, the kidney stone passed. I got up, grabbed the urine bottle, passed the stone, went up to the front desk, and I said, I passed my stone. They said, oh, it must have been a little one. They looked at and they said, you passed that. It was just a stone. And I said, well, how much do I owe you? And they said, sir, we wouldn't charge you a penny because we forgot all about you. So I had a birthstone, literally. I gave birth to Jeb, you know, and uh, I, I don't have that stone anymore. He's grown up or dissolved or something. But I wonder how many of us, if persecution should come, we will forget the sufficiency of God's grace. Paul understood it. Though he had been beaten, though he had been stoned and left for dead, though he had faced persecutions and trials and tribulations, he gave us all for God. We sing this song, I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life will be. I'll live for him who died for me my Savior and my God. I wonder how many of us understand what that really means. I will live for Him, but to die is perfection. I'm going to leave you with one more verse. Turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to show you something that is just amazing. The first time I read this verse... I thought how beautiful it is. Philippians chapter 1. And I want you to go down to verse 6. Do you have confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It says, being confident of this very thing. Being confident. Being confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. He's not done with us yet. I received good news this week, and when I received the good news, I realized right then and there, He's not done with me yet. And it's given me an even greater joy of life. Do you know the sufficiency of God's grace in your life? Do you know Him as your Savior? I pray that we all do as we consider Him. Father, again, the message has been delivered. Pray the things that you have given us will be a benefit for all to hear. So bless us, lead, and direct. May we rejoice in you, for it's in Christ we pray, and amen. Brother Randy, I turn the messages over to you.